0: I am Daryl and I'm Petros and welcome to the season one wrap-up of getting Defoe you from heaven's gate to the present day join us as we get to know Willem Defoe in this dedicated podcast and for our season one wrap-up baby here we are we're wrapping things up so
1: the the debrief are. if you would if you will <laughs> the the, the w- debrief William debrief <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, here we are. The Willem de Debr- Why didn't we? Why I'm actually quite annoyed at myself that I didn't think of Willem de Bruy earlier. We're,
1: we're, th- this is us going into the into the back room after having our our, our, our cover operation and being told what we did right. This is our this is our appraisal of season one. <laughs> really should have had an on on the the podcast ombudsman to come in and be like, you really fucked up on this point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is where we honestly appraise each other and see if we want to work together in season two. I'm afraid I've got some food back actually. Um, <laughs> there
1: is no season two. <laughs>
0: Not with you, yeah. anyway. <laughs> we were going in a creatively different direction. No. All all jokes aside though. It feels absolutely um baffling that we've we're a whole season in and now we're looking back. It feels like just yesterday that we were uh Starting out on this crazy Defoe adventure, trying to venture to uncharted territory (laughs) where uh, no one has ever stepped, no podcaster has stepped before doing God's work. Now here we are.
1: Some madman potentially in the future is this is literally the next day for them because they are they have mainlined this whole first season in one and they are literally the se- on their second day of defoe you goodness and they're like bloody hell they've they've managed to pull pull their fingers out their ass in the space of ten episodes from scrappy forgetting stuff like features and uh, <laughs> aspects of the podcast to to, to having deep and meaningful conversations about cinema and what it means to be a film fan, all, all in the space of <laughs> one podcast season.
0: I know, you know, who'd have thought? Not me. I, I, I didn't think we'd figure it out, but it's a work in progress, is what it is. It's the season one, we've got season one out of the way, and now um, it's time to sort of have a little sit down under the Focomotion train, look at where we've been, look at the carriages behind, and ultimately, look at what's coming up in the train as well. So we've got a wrap up, we've got points to discuss we've got some mailbag questions from uh, listeners and guests alike which is delightful, so we've got a lot of ground to cover but I think it's certainly... um to look at. Look at the films we've covered. Look at where we've started. Look where, where we ended up, and at, <laughs> all the memories that we made along the way.
1: <laughs> so the season kicked off. I'll, I'll, I'll run down the full season for us with, with, with the yes, fantastic please. guests we had. So we had uh, Heaven's Gate with Patrick from the fantastic vintage video podcast. Then we had Tomorrow You're Gone with Alice Boyd Leslie of the fantastic Drunken Horror podcast. Then we were joined by Daryl Bear of the now sadly defunct Sudden Double Deep podcast and the still beating heart that is. Is Paul Dano okay to discuss To Live and Die in LA? Then we were joined by Russell Bailey. To chat about clear and present danger. Then we moved on with the guys from Do You Want Me, Katrin and Rich, to discuss Body of Evidence, where we got hot and steamy and waxy all over.
0: Oh, yes, we did.
1: Then Josh McCallum joined us for The Reckoning, where we had a good old chat about monk-like haircuts and chastity and Willem Dafoe doing his aerobics. Uh, It was a lovely time. Then uh, an episode, a divisive episode for some, a divisive film, New Rose Hotel.
0: yes. Oh, yes.
1: Where Igraine from the What A Scream podcast chatted to us about that one. And then we were joined by Sean Alexander of the Civico Road to Avatar podcast to discuss the last thing he wanted. And it was definitely the last thing Daryl wanted to watch that film a second (laughs)
0: time. Commitment to the bit, baby. Commitment to the bit
1: before getting an absolute schooling in all things animation from David Trumbull as we discussed finding Nemo and then topping out and uh, just just a mere few weeks ago for you there dear listeners you would have heard our conversation with the delightful ever knowledgeable and amazing Rebecca McCallum from the talking Hitchcock podcast which uh, yeah was a real was it was a real kind of Hit of an episode. I, 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 I'll say that off, off off the bat. Not not to say any episode I enjoyed recording more than others, but the kind of the public reception for that episode discussing Antichrist was was bananas, Daryl. What, what what did you think about the reception we had to to that episode in particular?
0: You know, I guess I don't want to I don't want to come across too braggadocious, but I think sometimes you've got to revel in um, the positivity of things, and there was a good reaction. I mean, you know, going into that, as was well discussed just in the build-up to that episode, and in the episode itself. I didn't really know much about the film, and then I came away from it thinking, like, the things people can do to genitals is fucking awful. So, you know, part of me had a little silly goose brain on, but it evolved into, as we said, a delightful conversation, and it's very humbling and nice, and I hope that comes across sincerely with my, with my monotone <laughs> voice. Um, sometimes I am capable of emotion, I promise. But it was very nice, and people enjoyed it, and we'd always said, you know, sort of, Privately and publicly, that that was going to be the episode that we ended on, and we trusted our Defoe gut, and here we are, sort of riding that, riding that wave of momentum that we built up throughout the season, and we hope to carry on into season two as well.
1: Yeah, there was, um, it was a, it was it was a, it was an interesting one, and yeah, so many wonderful messages from friends and listeners of the podcast, and even our dear editor Matt coming in with some some rare praise. Uh, not, not to say it's it's all it's all scorn from Matt. Hello, Matt. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, he said, "I think I think this is the the best the best episode you've done, and it's kind of." for somebody who's listening to these episodes on forensic detail it's like that means that meant so much to me it's like you kind yeah. of oh, i know that you've listened to every episode <laughs> do you know what I mean? it's not like other people who may have dipped in and out and kind of say yeah i listen every week to be polite it's it's that is somebody who's listened to all of them and it's uh it kind of thematically for the season it's like it, it, it 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 makes sense that we've kind of you know, by the end we we've grown as people and podcasters
0: almost. We've grown as people. We've grown as a team. Matt putting the Matt in thematically. Yeah, it was it was lovely that uh, Matt enjoyed it and listeners enjoyed it and guests enjoyed it. So it was you know a very nice a very nice way to end things. And not to get too ahead of ourselves, I hope we can sort of continue that momentum into season two as well. Uh, because and you know make no mistake, we will sort of let you know in this episode at the end of the episode what we've got coming up in season 2 if you listen through to the end of the antichrist episode we gave you a little teaser of things that are to come but we'll give you the whole the whole breakdown as well but as we cast our minds back to where things began you know we had our intro episode where we were sort of setting out what what we sort of felt we knew and what we think we might be learning going into this sort of um the faux voyage of discovery as well so i mean for you patros considering where we've started where we've ended up what are you what are your thoughts going in on the phone now how have your thoughts changed if they've changed at all i
1: think if anything he's more enigmatic than i thought he was beforehand i thought he like i'm kind of like developing an even more of a of an appreciation not just for the actor but the the man as well it's kind of he seems to be somebody who the work is very much the work i like his work ethos as well that he he often says in interviews i work because i want to work with people and yeah the, the there is no such thing as like the the dream role or the perfect role it's if 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 a role is in the right hands, any role can be that role and he's i think he's talked about that with um, the florida project and uh, uh, other works but yeah just I, I i i warming to him even more not like i was ever cold on the man but it's kind yeah. of I don't know he's uh I'm intrigued to 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 learn more every day and l- like kind of seeing films a lot of this season, like yourself were first time watches for me and potentially films I maybe never would have watched, and even the ones that I didn't particularly enjoy as much as others, it's like well he's you can tell he's putting in the work and bringing. This lived experience, whether it's uh, the reckoning with this kind of bringing his theater troop days into that film and using yeah. his body, like that's the I think that is the thing we we talk so much on the podcast about deface that we we <laughs> it, I think yeah. we're learning he is a kind of it's not just deface and de voice that is doing like the work it's the full body experience you get in from defoe and that's <laughs> that, that, that's something i've learned about him is it's uh the body is a tool to make great work and uh, uh, i really really yeah really respect him for that he's a, he's a full-bodied actor what about yourself daryl what, what kind of how, how are you feeling on the man now we're season in.
0: I'm always thinking, like, do we bring in um, a season two categories? Like, do we get to face, the full body experience? <laughs> uh, is that is that a category you bring the season two? Who knows? Who knows? It's up for debate. I think I'm, I think I'm very much the same in terms of like the sentiment of it. You know, I I sort of recall saying at the start that I don't think, on the grand scheme of things, I'd seen that many Defoe films. And like you. There were a lot of these that I don't think I would have batted an eyelid mm-hmm. about, or even. Considered going out of my way to watch. Uh, Thus is the obligation of the movie podcaster, ladies and gentlemen. But a lot of like undiscovered treasure for me, a lot of first time watches. I'm sure it will come up in the discussion later on when we get into uh, sort of the highs and the lows in the season. But there's some films in here I found that I've absolutely fallen in love with. And it's interesting as well because, as we said, the way we sort of curated and configured the season to try and have a spread of defoe in the decades the d- decades of defoe it's interesting to see that his uh, even in the earliest stuff um, we're talking like heaven's gate and to live and die in la for this season particularly that the star power was so obviously there from such an early point as well mm-hmm. and to see how you know and i appreciate you know we're just talking about ten ten different films of defoe here but There's a consistency to the man, which I think is why sometimes people attach themselves to actors as well, because sometimes you you like having that warmth and that comfort and knowing what you're going to get. And it's interesting, you know, um, people talk about how often gets typecast, I think, as villains, you know, and seeing him be so much more than that. And, you know, we talk, you know, we we, we lightheartedly, tongue in cheek, talk about the face and the full body experience, but to, to see quite literally that every uh, DNA strand of his body is so capable of brilliance. And, you know, I'm not trying to... I know we talked about the perils of putting po- of podcasters on, pe- on pedestals, of putting celebrities on pedestals in our Refining Nemo episode, but then he comes across in the interviews as just so... Uh, just like a man of the people. He just wants to talk about movies. He loves what he does. So he doesn't think he's above the medium, and I find that it's always refreshing when it's if this makes sense, when you're looking at an actor and not a celebrity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think in that that regard, he's very much an actor to be admired and his body of work to be certainly discovered as well. And again, I think, like you said, not that I didn't like him before, Mm -hmm. but I'm just finding that my appreciation of the man is um, ever-increasing on a movie-by-movie basis. Even if I don't like the movie itself, my appreciation for his body of work, his body of evidence, if you will, um, (laughs) is he's going up (laughs) body of work of evidence (laughs) (laughs) evidencing his body of work of evidence it just makes you very excited to sort of one that we committed to this podcast because it's been in many ways very rewarding and then two to sort of get cracking with season two as well i'm just very excited for uh, more defoe
1: well one of the things we mentioned in our intro episode was uh, something you touched on when you were uh, talking about like your feelings on him was the fact that he is kind of seen to a lot of people as playing these kind of weirdo villainous types and how do you feel as, as as this season kind of quashed that for you in kind of like the 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 breadth and the variety of roles that we've seen him in this season
0: I reckon so I reckon so because I that mean, the realistic part of my brain was like, well, obviously, at some point, we're going to watch every film this man has been in, and I don't think—I suppose I should say—I didn't seriously think that we're just going to get uh, ten villainous DeFoe roles. I was like, okay, I guess this man is a little bit typecast, but I know there was that perception about him. I know it comes a lot from—I think—as we found out from talking to our guests. Everyone since Spider Man turns out literally everyone who's ever lived has <laughs> seen Spider Man, which is a you know, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think he he does a lot of roles, he can put himself into a lot of genres and he can do them pretty well. Like, there might be somewhere, um, as I'm sure we'll get into, maybe you know, like, okay, I mean, like, you still get the goodness of Defoe, but would he have been my first choice for this kind of thing? I don't know if we're looking about it fairly, but I think there's, I don't. I suppose in short I'd say I don't see him as a villain I just see him as a good actor.
1: What what has been interesting I think specifically specifically about this season is a lot of the films we have seen even when he is that in that villainous role is the ambiguity of evil that kind of is a running thread throughout this season like you kind of look at to live and die in la it's kind of who is the good guy who is the bad guy in that story the last thing he wanted is he is a drug runner or like a gun smuggler or something but at the same time he's not he's not portrayed as a villain clear and present danger he's very much like we talked a lot about the kind of gray the gray area in which his character sits in in that finding nemo is a film that plays with the the kind of villainous persona that people pigeonhole him in and antichrist it's kind of a film that that is all up to interpretation as to whether defoe is good bad evil or somewhere in between
0: yeah it's so interesting that you know, you sort of think about it, and obviously we we talk about it in the context of a wrap up as well. But you just look at the, you know, we talk about the highs and the lows, and there's such a range of films that we've covered for so many different roles, like animation and horror, and just like gritty, dirty cop films and sexy, waxy films as well. And there's there's just so many layers to the man, and he can he can do sort of charming and he can do funny and even in these movies where he's maybe like a supporting character or even like a tertiary character like in sort of tomorrow you're gone there's always a, an intriguing element that the foe brings I think you know I talked about it before we can see the star quality of the man you can see the star power of the man and I think it's indisputable that this man is sort of the cream of the crop he's sort of one of our our times great actors really you know and hopefully we sort of live long enough that he will finally get that um that award that award that has been haunting him and so close as well which I definitely hope he's coming because we'll be there we'll be there with our tuxedos on cheering the man on screaming and hollering
1: (laughs) yeah we are yet to cover one of his Oscar nominated films maybe that'll be coming up in season two you'll have to listen to the end of the episode
0: to hear about that Absolutely. But before we, um, we, we we get too carried away on our uh, Defoe pedestal, we've got some mailbag questions. We've got some mailbag questions from previous guests and listeners of the podcast as well. So I think it's time we dip into the mailbag a little bit here. And we will start with a question from a previous guest, Sean Alexander, who asks, which director that he hasn't previously worked with, would you like to see Defoe collaborate with in the future? So, is there uh, any directors, any um, Defoe directors, directors, if you will, which you think are um, gunning for the Defoe treatment?
1: I'm going to be biased here, and like with. My- the other podcast I, I run, Caged in Coppola Connections, and say so I'd love to see him work with Francis Ford Coppola. Or even Sophia. I think I think he's got he's got a film of theirs in him. And I'd love to see what he would do in a in a Francis Ford Coppola film. Like uh, he's Ooh. he's a man who makes films about family, and um, yeah, Sophia sure. makes films about celebrity, fame, what it is to be famous, and kind of these broken people. And I think I think Defoe kind of, especially in that Sophia filmography, would be fascinating, especially to see him in. In something, I don't know, almost like he's never not like he's never done before, because I imagine the Florida Project is like in that kind of lower register. But to kind yeah. of see him in something like that, I think, would be very interesting. What about
0: yourself, Daryl? I mean, that's a great show. For some reason, I seem to think he'd worked with a Coppola before, but I think I just had a bad dream. It's, ne- it's never happened, and you of all people would bloody know <laughs> if it had. There's me not asking the right questions. I sort of to think about this, because, you know, we talk we talk about his width and breadth of films. And the man's worked with a lot of people, sort of the, um, uh, the creme de la creme, you know, of the directing world. And I was trying to think of, like, I don't know, what what sort of things has he, has he not done, which I think he would just... I think it would just be if something fun to see him in. And the the name that sort of kept coming back to me, and I know so this person doesn't really do much in the realm of, like, directing anymore, but if they ever sort of made a comeback, like, you know, I've got one more film in me. I think... I would throw a John Carpenter out there. Oh. I just, I just feel there's, there's some kind, something kind of, like some kind of B movie action that, in some aspect, I think him yeah. and a John Carpenter project, you know, um,
1: him as a part of some like John Carpenter team, as mm. well, would be great.
0: Yeah, like to, um, to escape from LA and die and live in escape in LA. <laughs> yeah, there's something in there. <laughs> But I th- I think because I I know that there was that I know it's someone else who'd be helming it, but that was that whole gestating uh, escape from New York remake. That's probably been on the can for like twenty years now and never happened. But I say in an ideal world, John Carpenter's came back is like right, fuck it, I'm taking this back. You've you've absolutely fucked it. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. And I think he could be some kind of like I don't know, like some like street level beggar king or something. Amazing. I just think he's got he's got. St- There's something about the phone carpenter that just works for me. Will we ever see it? Probably not, but uh, we can dream. In terms of things we'd like to see him in, we'll talk about a question we've got about things we have seen him in, and we go to a question submitted from our buddies over at the Diabolical Pod, and they ask, based on season one films, do you ever think he's been miscast? So we go back to our uh, ten movies we've covered this season, is there anything in there that we think has been miscast in? So I think there's one film that comes to mind for me, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if we're if we're on the same wavelength here. But for me, potentially, Body of Evidence. Oh,
1: one hundred percent. I was, I was, I was. It was on the tip of my tongue to be like, "Shall we do three, two, one? <laughs> say our answer." <laughs>
0: if we got that wrong, that would be well embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> disgraceful if anything yeah I, I know we sort of talked about it on the episode we touched upon it on the episode but you know according to the IMDb trivia madonna did request him so you know madonna pulling a power move respect you'll appreciate it but was he sort of the the romantic lead to go toe-to-toe with madonna i don't know that he was you know did i did i think at any point i'd be seeing william defoe get wax stripped on him um not particularly. We're going with an open mind into all these films, especially the ones that we haven't seen. But And I'm not saying that he can't be a romantic lead. And I'm not saying that he hasn't been a romantic lead in other films and it hasn't worked. We'll get to those, as you well know. But in this one, it just felt like... I don't know. It just felt off
1: i i think my reservation with it is i don't believe him as the average man who is talked into this world of deviant sex and kind of kink Do you know what I mean not to not to kink shame anyone but like not that it's deviant but like the film kind of betrays it in that way of mm-hmm. like he is kind of corrupted and i think as as it was said in that episode defoe has a face that looks like it fucks do you know what I mean? He looks like a man who is doing that on. a, That's a Monday night for him. If there's not wax involved, it's it's like things aren't going on. Do you know what I mean? So, the candles aren't out. Well, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't entertaining this, love.
0: No, no. If there isn't at least a uh, a one hundred tea candle set for five pounds set around the floor that you have navigate to the bed for, then yeah uh forget about it <laughs>
1: if a yankee candle ain't i <laughs> ain't touching my skin do you know what i mean if i'm not getting not getting sunshine pine <laughs> dripped on my nipples i ain't having it
0: well let's let's, let's uh move on to a third question submitted by egreen and she says is there any role you'd like to see Defoe take on the cop-out answer is all of them but if there's one specific one uh is there any any role you think Petros, that you'd like to see him I'm try I'm trying to
1: think of like iconic like characters he could play, but then I'm just I'm just trying to think of like an archetype. I would love to see him play some kind of gangster, like do you know what I mean? Like maybe that is in maybe that is in his in his filmography and we've not got to it. it's probably people screaming at their devices right now, being like, he does play that in this film, but like some kind of like I don't know, sleazy kingpin. I'd love to see him play some kind of, yeah, sli- slime ball kind of, I don't know, in like, you know, like how you've got Salvatore, like Maroni is his name from like the Batman films and stuff like that. Like one of these villains that's not the kind of, and I'm not not just in the kind of Batman world, but just talking like that kind of archetype,
0: like... Mm. And, and, and he doesn't have to play an
1: Italian. He could just be. He could just be an American guy
0: who. He can speak the lingo, though. He can speak the lingo. He can.
1: He can. He can. He can. See. See. He can. <laughs> he can <laughs> bella bella with the best of. The... Boo. <laughs>
0: I was trying to think. Like it's the same thing. For, I think it would have to be someone well known. Um, if it was going to be, you know, would there be prosthetics involved? Would it be sort of a like for like thing? Because I was looking earlier and like just to try and get some kind of inspiration for this answer. Is there anyone who, guess, Defoe looks like that like, now, if there's going to be some kind of biography kind of movie? And I did see one picture online. There's like a side-by-side of like, William Defoe was kind of similar to Billy Idol now. So if, could William Defoe play an old-aging rock star, perhaps?
1: Oh, wow. I would love to see it in I'm... the mode of, have you ever seen Love and Mercy, the film about... Brian Wilson from the uh, Beach Boys, where it's got no. pa- Paul Dano plays the younger version, John Cusack plays the older version. It's kind of this split narrative no. of like um, Brian Wilson in the '60s, and the '80s. So to yeah, to kind of see maybe like a not Austin Butler, but like do you know what I mean somebody of that gen, this new generation playing like a young Billy Idol. Then yeah, you've got the the older older kind of rock star. That would be that would be fantastic.
0: I think I think Willem Dafoe, the rock star, is definitely one. That's
1: yeah. I just want to hear something it. there. I just want to hear Willem Dafoe saying, "Hey, little sister, I'm the only one. It's <laughs> a nice day for a white wedding." Oh,
0: and then he just fucking bends backwards and crab walks on the <laughs> stage. Yes, please. And I mean, this I, I suppose our answer here kind of ties into the next question we've had from uh, from Matt Brothers who asks aside from van gogh any of the real life people you think it would be perfect for i mean i think i've kind of taught myself into into older billy idol now truth be told outside yeah. of that though
1: well aren't we getting willem dafoe as hunter s thompson in a film that is that is that is on the cards i believe we are which
0: is i believe we are
1: is exciting stuff right is it gonzo girl is the film that we we're getting him
0: Gonzo Girl sort of recently announced I think at the time of recording it's going to debut at TIFF the opening opening day of TIFF I could be wrong but there's definitely a film that film festival is coming out to but you know we're getting Hunter S. Thompson I mean, I'm just looking now... um...
1: Well, it says his character's name is Walker Reed, whether he is a kind of Hunter S. Thompson type or he's an archetype. They couldn't get the rights for Hunter S. Thompson. But, yeah, the the film is directed as well by Patricia Arquette. So, exciting, I believe, debut directing feature from Patricia Arquette.
0: Very exciting. We'll be keeping a close eye on that When You better fucking believe it. I was just looking online, actually, like... Willem Dafoe lookalikes kind of thing. There was an article from 2017 where he said apparently he's often mistaken for Mick Jagger and obliges fans who ask him to dance for them.
1: Amazing.
0: Um, I, I'm pretty so,
1: sure that's where one of those gifs comes from. He must have been asked about that on a talk show.
0: I Yeah, I know exactly the gif you're talking about. There is him
1: very much doing the kind of Jagger arms slap
0: the bum, do you know what
1: I mean? Oh, yeah, you're oh, Mick Jagger. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, that would be again, that would be great to see him kind of playing the aging version. Like, do you know what I on mean? submit uh, yeah, Mick Jagger. Oh. Uh, oh uh, I'm onto I'm I'm onto my seventh wife. We've <laughs> just had a child
0: and I'm in my eighties. <laughs> I think I think what we're saying is like if you are any kind of aging rock star, there's yeah. a good chance that Willem Dafoe <laughs> Some
1: leathery skinned snake tipped old rocker Willem Dafoe's got you covered. We'll have it. Yes please
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolute goddamn lutely. but uh you yeah, know we'll, we'll, we'll park the mailbag just for now we will return to the mailbag in just a moment and i think something i'm really good to sort of talk about is what is a favorite fact we've learned about Defoe this season and you know i i feel i feel like it's on brand to say it at this point but man's got a nice penis man's Ooh, got a nice baby penis. baby baby
1: that is a yeah that is a that is a big one. Uh, here we go here we go yeah um yeah that is uh, but i i i feel like i knew that beforehand that is kind of like lives large in my mind he's
0: got an absolute hammer (laughs) well absolutely i mean you know they call him um willem the slammer defoe for a reason (laughs) obviously and i know i know the other one it's i i feel that we might have talked about this before we might not have but in, in the UK, he was the voice of, like, the polar bear for, like, Birds Eye for, for a time, like, about 10, 15 years ago or something. But he doesn't really like talking about it anymore, but it was just a kind of deep-rooted memory trigger. And I was like, oh my God, he's been he's always been there. <laughs> <laughs> he's always been there. Giving us our fish fingers, I, and our I, suppers. I think
1: the fact that I, like, uh, a, bit, a bit of trivia is, <laughs> is a story he told I just loved the 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 story told about insulting the statue in to live and die in la kind of yeah that that bit of like tidbit of trivia where he's like where he he says to um the the guy before he kills him your taste is in your ass when he's he's like this is like (laughs) eastern ethiopian your taste is in your ass and uh the fact that he insulted Billy Friedkin because that was actually from his private collection. And I think that coupled with Defoe's anecdote of, like, Billy Friedkin telling him that he wanted absolute nobodies for that film that nobody recognised. <laughs> and kind of the humility of Willem Defoe to be like, oh, well, I'd like to think that, like, you might have seen the films I've been in. You might have seen, like, <laughs> you might, yeah. I've done some stuff, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not completely devoid of like a CV in this in this whole thing you know in terms of that as well we talk about our favorite facts let's also talk about our favorite film of the season of the 10 movies we have covered in the inaugural season of getting the foe you which has been our favorite i mean i will i will um immediately kick the door down and say it's to live and die in la it's not even close for me
1: mm hmm I, I'm going to have to concur on that one. It's, it's probably boring for listeners. You, you might have expected some debate, but if you've listened to this season, you've kind of... And if you listened to last week's kind of bonus episode, you've heard us extol our kind of love for that film.
0: <laughs> and, you know, we'll probably still be talking about it into seasons two, three, and beyond as well. <laughs> you know, we talked before about going into this season relatively blind, watching films we may never otherwise have heard of, and like I said, it's not one I'd heard of before, I... Happened to catch the Blu ray in um, a local uh, seller of physical media of the movie variety for cheap. And I said, I really like the cover on that. I'll be having some of that. Yes. Watched it, fell in love with it. And we talked about the car scene, the car chase scene. And, you know, uh, rest in peace, dear Mr. Billy Friedkin, as well. <laughs> um, gone but not forgotten. And I don't know that I've ever watched a film. Or even like a car, you know, car. You know, we get car chases all the time. We live in the era of like the Fast and the Furious and cars this and car that and, th- and things explode and blah, blah, blah. But I've never watched a movie where a car chase scene has given me actual anxiety watching it. Yeah. Like, it made me, like it made me feel something. I make it sound like I'm absolutely fucking dead inside. But that scene alone made me just feel and I was just gripped in the gritty realness of it all yes listener if you've been listening to the season I know I've said it before wang fucking chung baby oh yeah <laughs> well it's
1: interesting because a friend of mine recently watched To Live and Die in LA and was kind of a bit lukewarm on it and there is something that and it, it, I think it very much it's a film that speaks to something I enjoy is this kind of I like the ambiguity and the nihilism that is that runs through that film and the kind of like who are the good guys who are the bad guys and i just sure. seeing that film projected on 35 mil like the the, the print i saw it almost beating the shit out of and i imagine it was one that ran in 1985 by the looks of it it was just kind of i don't know transcendental experience watching it with a, a packed <laughs> out room It was like some of the kind of and, and i think this happens a lot in rep cinemas, um, none in particular, probably all of them, but like you get people watching it through that kind of mystery science theater lens. And there were a couple of laughs I found in the screening, a bit, a bit jarring that people like lines mm-hmm. that people were laughing at. Like some of the, yeah, Richard chance lines when he's talking to like his, in uh, his female informant, like slash lover. S- s- some of them like, and, uh, the absolute, the absolute devoid, I think I was the only person who laughed at, you taste this in your ass. Like, just because <laughs> that line kind of means so much to me. But it was, yeah, I watched it with previous guests, Matt Brothers, and it's kind of like, this is, this is cinema, baby. Do you know what I mean? This, this, this is what filmmaking is.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's it knows to sort of the grindstone, hands-on practical effects. Fuck when it was real fucking shit, But it's, it's one of those movies that i just think is infinitely rewatchable you know is some of it are like of the era sure but you know i watched it with a fresh pair of eyes in 2023 at the time of recording and i was like fuck me yes please
1: is this as a side question the best defoe performance of the season apart from the film itself is this for you what is the best Defoe performance that we've had
0: hmm I mean in terms of the best performance of Defoe would I say it's to live and die now i I don't know that I would because you know in the grand scheme of things he's in the movie like fifteen minutes 20 minutes or something if I'm not misremembering too much he's, maybe he's, he's in, in it more longer.
1: than you think but yeah but yeah he's, he's not uh, you spending a lot of time with william s uh Will, yeah William Peterson kind of
0: <laughs> William S. Defoe that really said that <laughs> I, th- I think though if, if we're talking about pound for pound performance I, th- I think it's got oh, I think it's got to be Antichrist surely because you know if you listen to the episode you know we, we waxed lyrical on the damn thing we discussed all the interpretations and the theories that we had but and, and like I said for me as well having the benefit of watching it twice and, and the interpretations you can take of it and that, you know as I said openly in the episode if I'd watched it once I'd be like yeah i'm on team defoe did nothing wrong and then i watched it again i was like actually actually i retract (laughs) that entire i retract that entire viewpoint i was wrong i think it's one of those yeah are there some hard scenes to watch of course there are but it's one that every time you watch it you're gonna i think get a, a different interpretation a different understanding of the film a different reading you know films like that are sort of few and far between so if, we, if we're talking about you know my favorite film to live and die in L.A. my favorite performance, uh, Antichrist. Yeah,
1: and I think with Antichrist it's a hard one to to necessarily say it's your favorite film. Sorry, Rebecca, uh, but like <laughs> it's 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 that difficult thing that like yeah, it's a hard one to say. I really enjoyed that film. I got a lot out of it. And, like, pound for pound, like, on screen, like, it's the most Defoe. Like, literally the most Defoe we've got all season. (laughs) Uh, And kind of, yeah, the the film hangs on his and Charlotte Gainsbourg's faces and kind of bodies, like, throughout the whole film. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that is that 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 that's a clear kind of winner as kind of the performance and i, I imagine that film took a lot out of both of those actors as well and it's, it really, it really shows on screen
0: no doubt and speaking of it, speaking of antichrist that's uh brings us fairly neatly back to the mailbag we have a question from uh Scott Croucher. i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly and scott asks in your estimation, what is the circumference of Willem's de hog? And a follow-up is how bent or curved is that hog? Finally, someone is asking the big questions. <laughs> circumference, I think... I think it's as thick as an apple. I think it is the length of... Hmm. Trying to look around my room for reference. Uh da da da, da. I think it's bigger than an iPhone in terms of length, and I don't think there's a single bend in it. I think you could fucking balance a shelf on it, baby. <laughs> so I've got, I, I've
1: got a can of beer in front of me, which is a uh, five hundred milliliter can of beer. I reckon we're talking these dimensions is what William Defoe's rocking between his legs and I think well may, maybe slightly the, the circumference is slightly thinner because that would be an absolute monster but yeah <laughs> I think I think he's got I think he's got a slight kind of curve to I think not not too much like do you know what I mean you're not kind of it's not getting sent in a wonky box if it were a piece of uh fruit or veg do you know what I mean you're not kind of getting it in there <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a full price hog, maybe yeah it's yeah, a full yeah, price yeah. You know, it's
1: not getting yellow stickered you know I mean? all the oh, it's of, like, we're going, yeah, we're going to put this in the kind of like. Being on the discount shelf no, oh, no, 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 no. It's premium.
0: Sometimes you just have a good feeling about a man's dick. Um... <laughs> it's premium dick. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Premium. <laughs> fucking premium stuff, uh Moving swiftly on to our next question, submitted by our editor. Mr. Matt Dixon. Um, he says a lot of people want Defoe to play the Joker in a future Batman movie. What comic book hero and what comic book villain would you want to see Defoe tackle? D-E-F-O-E, Matt, come on, uh, we Wicked. we kid. What uh, comic book hero and villain would you want to see him tackle besides the Joker? And why do you think he would be fit for the role? So obviously we talk about fan casting and he's been fan casting for the Joker for a very long time he's talked about it himself and said I think he pitched an idea for it, it didn't really happen but he's like, yeah, you know, I've, I'm, I'm busy, I've got other stuff to do and you know, I think he would make a great Joker but I think I've obviously at, at this point in um, the DC universe, now James Gunn's taking it over and we've got you know, we have another sort of Joker in the Matt Reeves verse of Batman, which is outside of the James Gunn verse, so there is potential for a for a Joker in the James Gunn era. I think it'll be a few years off, and I don't know if we will ever see, if we will ever see it. But in terms of heroes and villains, though, this is one I had to, I thought I've been thinking a long time about this, and I've with heroes, I'm kind of struggling. I'll be honest, because I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of like you know we 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 sort of talk about um, Defoe and how he's. There's a perception that he's cast in a villainous way, obviously an iconic turn as the Green Goblin over in the Marvel state of affairs. But I think at this point you have to kind of think about, like, age. Not that I'm trying to be ageist and not that I'm saying that older people can't play superheroes, not at all. But um, in this sort of world that we live in, in terms of villains, one that sort of popped into my head I was like, I think... There'll be a good Defoe turn there. Two Face, perhaps. Oh yeah, I think Defoe's got a good Two Face in him. Um, maybe not like the, the fucking Tommy Lee Jones thing where on one side of his face is like fucking purple and white hair, and the other's just Tommy Lee Jones. But I think, I think it's you know, if if we if we can't let's say we put in Joker off the table, I think Two Face, I think Harvey Dent, I think he, that sort of split personality, those like dueling personalities of Harvey Dent, I think if handled right. Obviously, there's a big caveat there. If sort of played well, I think there's something there. I do think there's something there.
1: I would love to see him as one of the like batman like lesser used villains do you mm. know what I mean like you're kind of like mad hatter oh killer croc or someone like that do you know what I mean like someone somebody who's a bit more like out there like calendar man or something like that something uh, i would like to kind of see him step into that world and, uh, and as for the joker i just feel like we've been oversaturated with like joker content and i'd like kind yeah. of yeah, it would be it would be great. It's that kind of I've, everyone would love to have seen Nicolas Cage's Superman. The Flash doesn't count. Um <laughs> so I think yeah. I think he lends himself and he's kind of he's kind of nailed it with his Norman Osborn performances, not to kind of like uh spoil those episodes but like that that kind of entire arc especially when you come to no way home as well it's like he's kind of
0: yeah, outstanding I think. he has
1: been like the definitive version like it's kind it would be hard to see another version of that character god bless dane DeHaan. but uh
0: <laughs> he tried
1: yeah <laughs> so i think i think kind of he's been there and obviously he kind of plays not so much a hero, but he's in Aquaman as well, kind of playing like a, a tertiary character within the kind of comic book world. Like, I don't know. Like, I think and Batman, I think as as in the side of good. Like, I think uh, there would have been a great kind of Jim Gordon in him as well. I think I think there's a great yeah, there's yeah a great a Commissioner Gordon in in Defoe, like a kind of bit more grizzled. Do you know what I mean, if they kind of yeah. go back, like yeah, Jim Gordon's kind of a bit older like, like I could see that I'm just trying to think like I think or it's like some kind of anti-hero I think he would be some kind of like noirish comic like, like nothing springing to mind because I'm not, I'm not I'm not a big comic book guy but I don't know like help like the Hellblazer comics or something like that, kind of like an older Constantine or something like that
0: yeah yeah I, th- I think something that you know lends itself to like an older character maybe someone who passes down the mantle I mean the, the only one i could sort of think of in terms of like superheroes and not not to try and pigeonhole things to dc uh because there's a lot of superheroes out there but there was um that's sort of like, like a Awarish character called the question with dc who's like a kind of like an investigator um wears sort of like a uh i think basically like a faceless mask which was like no sort of expression or anything like over the face or anything just like a blank sort of canvas face so you know you would be on the flip side losing out on the expressionism of Defoe but I think, like you said, I think there's something that could lend itself quite well to an, an, a war type of character there. Maybe something even like the Sin City realm of things. I'm not too yeah. afraid of Sin City, but... And to kind of
1: bring it out of the kind of Western lens of comics as well. So he's played a, a manga character in the kind of Demon in Death Note. The, the name of the character kind of escapes me right now, but he, he's done that as well. So I think, I think him lending his voice to something, you mentioning like the question, it's like... We like apart from the face, like that voice is kind of so rich and kind of deep that I think yeah, even something where he's stripped of his face, and as we said, he's he's willing to go full body. I reckon he could he could really pull something out of the bag, and I imagine he'd be able to still keep up with the physicality, even though he's a man in his like sixties.
0: Yoga baby, yoga that will do it for you. Uh, ashtanga um, gives a a voiced reuke in the in the live action Death Note, and I will say now. The only good thing about that movie. Scott Murphy asks, is there any film you're dreading covering, either because you've seen the film and hate it, or because it's a well-established classic that's been covered multiple times elsewhere, so it's a bit intimidating? I mean, that's a good question. I
1: I I, I don't want to kind of lay my cards out on the table as to stuff I've seen that I didn't like as much, just because... I want to keep stuff quite fresh for those episodes, and I'm sure, I'm sure right. there's stuff we haven't seen that we'll, we'll, we, we will then dread, <laughs> like uh, yeah. covering. But as for, I just think any of the kind of big hitters, like. Like your Spider-Man's platoons, there is always that weighing thing on your mind of like, what more is there to be said about this film? I get that. Yeah, I just guess we are lucky that we are watching these films through a very specific lens that our conversations inevitably. Yeah, like uh, there's podcasts that have probably talked about like a section of their podcast is all about Defoe in regards to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man but I imagine a bulk of those conversations are taken up with the Raimi aspect of it the, the Tobey Maguire of it all the kind of uh it being like the the birth of the modern era of superhero movies and stuff like that whereas we'll be able to go all that stuff is there we'll touch on it but then we can be like let's really get into when he delivers that laugh at Minute fifty-two, like oh yeah, that that that's a real humdinger. Do you know what I mean? That really tickles my (laughs) (laughs) bumhole,
0: and oh boy, does it! I I think I can get a sub up on that. That's, what, that's the that's the Patreon content right there I think I I agree with that though it's it's your heavy hitters your big defoes as you said your Spiderman's your platoons the ones where he's been like award nominated you know the ones that have been covered to death and it's like okay you know what what more can you sort of say? I know that's more of like a podcasting conundrum. And the ones
1: that people want the most, like whenever we put out stuff online and people are like, we want the lighthouse or stuff like that. Like, when are you covering the lighthouse? When are you, you covering the You want to do this? justice, yeah. You want to do, do justice. justice. And I think when it comes to a film like the lighthouse, not to spoil anything, not to go into details, but I think we've got a fun idea for that episode, but uh I think <laughs> you'll have can, to wait if we a we can while. pull it off. <laughs> we'll uh, have to yeah. wait a while until you hear that one. What Your loyalty
0: will be rewarded is all we'll say on that one. I think maybe if I'm if I'm thinking Broadly, I mean, I know we've got to do the fucking Snyder cut of it, but Zack Snyder's Justice League—I'm just not looking forward to watching that one at all. <laughs> there are some DC films that I like, but and and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't fairly say to myself that I'm at the point of like superhero burnout or anything like that. But you know, th- this is something for that episode, so we're not going to derail it by getting too much into it. I think the DC films, a lot of DC films, not all of them, have really kind of struggled having some kind of distinct voice or idea of where they're going. And I know there are some avid defenders of the Snyderverse out there. That's absolutely fine. But part of me's is like, I hope this isn't 400 hours of bullshit that I've got to sort of give my time to. The other one, I, I think, or other ones, you know, I'm not a massive fan of Wes Anderson. I <laughs> know he, that's Clang. a huge, huge red flag, a huge hot take. And I'd love to be won over, you know, and I'll touch up on this very briefly. I saw Asteroid City. I fell asleep. I thought it was bollocks. I thought it was pretentious. I didn't enjoy it.
1: Didn't see Defoe in it because you were asleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I woke up, fell asleep at 20 minutes, woke up at credits, booed. I booed loudly. Yeah, I, I, I've had a bit of an issue with I would, I want to like Wes Anderson. He's someone I really want to like. I want to be won over by Wes Anderson because I know deep down in my soul, I feel like it's someone I should like. His movies are something I should like, but I've just... I don't know. There's been a resistance there from my part. I've never massively been able to connect. I know a lot of people love Wes Anderson. Again, we're not trying to shoot on anyone who likes what they like, who doesn't like what they don't like. That's absolutely fine. We're all people with our opinions. But you know, Snyder and Anderson. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs>
1: well, that's that, that that that's a perfect place to leave the mailbag once again and get into some get into some of the stats of season one. And looking yes. at the the breakdown of the friends and the foes of the season and see where we aligned where we differed and uh yeah where we kind of uh, fell throughout these so episode 1 heaven's gate that was the friends across the board from yes, indeed. And speaking of films treading, I think there was an element with that one just for the sheer length of the film and knowing going in that Defoe was an uncredited extra and the kind of all the chatter around that film. But Mm. then I think everyone saying it's one of the the biggest grand follies and failures of cinema. I was like, this is great in in comparison. Do you know what I mean? And it looks like... It looks like, in a way, I haven't seen the film to actually know if that is the case, but Martin Scorsese looks like he's kind of made like a somewhat remake, at least kind of tonally and kind of subject matter-wise, with The Killers of the Flower Moon, which will be coming out in October, like a kind of native or like kind of, yeah, the... A quote unquote other versus the kind of Western, like kind of imperialist America. So yeah, yeah. that's uh, that, that's like Michael Chamino's legacy lives on somewhat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and it's you know it's we, we took a big swing opening our, our first season with that movie, but we felt we had a, an obligation that made felt like it thematically made sense to start the start with the foe and then the rest of it as an adventure. Like I say it was it was a from me. I said on the episode it was one I was. Um, Expecting to be an absolute stinker to start off to start off the show with, and I um, liked more of it than I disliked. So I, I it was a friend from me. It was a friend from our guest Patrick as well. It was three defriends uh, to kick things off with Heaven's Gate there.
1: And then we we came in with a, a across the board defoes with episode two with uh, Tomorrow You're Gone with Alice Boyd Leslie and. It's, yeah, it was good to get that out of our system, episode two, right? Like, <laughs> get, yeah. go with one we enjoyed, go with one that pff, we fucking hated.
0: <laughs> we decided to immediately humble ourselves <laughs> with tomorrow You're Gone. Uh, we did not endorse the Dorf. Willem Dafoe was kind of there in a role that could really have been played by anyone. So, unanimous Dafoe's across the board. And um, then we move to episode three. And have we told you that we like to live and die in LA? Have we made? Did we mention that? Oh, because it got, it th- got three defoes, the friends. <laughs> Oh my God, I have I've, I'm. I need to, you know, for the listening, we're recording this on the hottest day in September and my brain just melted. Um, <laughs> but I'm keeping you on your toes. We're keeping you on your toes, you, you silly geese. We gave it three to Friends. Of course, we gave it three the, to Friends.
1: The best of the Friends. And Yeah, what more can we really say about that? That's
0: kind of been our favourite film
1: of the season. And then we moved on to Clear and Present
0: Danger, where we gave it, Daryl? We gave it, we gave it not one, not two, but three de friends yeah we're we're trying to follow one as you said our de best friend of the season to live and die in la it was a movie that we quickly discovered was the third in a trilogy even though we regularly questioned why is any of this happening there was still enough to enjoy which i think is a credit a credit to the film as well we can sort of pick up three movies in
1: yes yes and then we moved on to well the next few films we get into Apache territory because we go to Body of Evidence, which mm-hmm. there wasn't, there wasn't, but but there wasn't three votes in this. There was four, and it so it got even more defoes. We got we got we got ourselves and Catherine and rich they also gave it to foes as well what 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 really more can be said about this about this film
0: yeah I, th- I think we've made our feelings uh quite clear on body of evidence but then we moved on to the wild card of season one which is the movie that we picked with with no sort of bias completely at random we closed our eyes and pointed at the screen it was the reckoning and uh what a wild card it was because it got a whopping three Defoe's across the board for a...
1: I think the lightest of Defoe's, right? Because it was kind of like a, just a bit of a milk toast movie where it was like, eh, it was a whimper as opposed to like a, an all-out fuck this film. It was more like a... It could have been better.
0: Yeah, it could have been better. And as we joked about in the episode, we're now all stuck with <laughs> DVDs that not even CEX will take. So, <laughs> So they... Yeah, you go, don't tell me that I'm not committed to this. But then the next episode is where oh, my God, uh, the real divide happened, New Rose Hotel, and this one was not unanimous.
1: No, there was an outlier. So Daryl gave it a Defoe, Igraine mm-hmm. gave it a Defoe, but your, your, your little boy over here on April our Island gave this film a Defriend Baby.
0: I know what a curveball it was. You think you know someone in a first season, and there you go. What a curveball! If I could have rated the film purely on a scale of actors yeeting themselves <laughs> off of high things, then I would have probably changed my mind. But you can't do that, unfortunately. You know, it was a it was a two-one. So you know, a little little a little bump in the road there. Then we moved to the Netflix drama. The last thing he wanted. Easy joke to make. It was the last thing that we wanted. I don't think anyone who's seen the film hasn't made that joke already. So I'm going to pat myself on the back anyway because I'm hilarious. Uh, Three Defoe's. I hope I never see that movie again.
1: Yeah, was that was that was that arguably the worst film of the season? No, no.
0: It was the most confusing. Yes, it was which... up
1: there with Tomorrow You're Gone in just kind of <laughs> baffling, kind of what the fuck is going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I thought Tomorrow. You're Gone would be a hard act to follow in terms of, I cannot follow this territory. New Rose Hotel made somewhat more sense, but when you have to look up various articles to try and understand what's happened in a movie, then it doesn't bode well. And there was a deserved three Defoe's. Across <laughs> the
1: what is interesting about New Rose Hotel, Tomorrow You're Gone, and The Last Thing He Wanted is all based on books as is uh well there's, there's quite a few adaptations here actually
0: that's a good point actually to
1: live and die in la is based on a book as is clear and present danger the reckoning i believe was based on a book as well
0: rings a bell obviously new hotel and the last thing you wanted i think obviously i think the thing that we found there was um you know maybe the long game was played and we were all saps and falling into it because i think every time we were just like I want to read the book now <laughs> to see to see if that can fill in the gaps
1: of yeah yeah yeah. If it was one that was absolutely baffling, like yeah, tomorrow you're gone, and the last thing he wanted it was. Oh, I think I need to read the book to kind of make sense of all of this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think maybe maybe there's an idea for a potential Patreon page where we'll give you like a. A chapter by chapter audio reading of these books, just to see if they make any more sense.
1: The Defoe uh, Book Club. We, we will read the books and and report back as if as if we didn't have enough to do with our time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard and Judy, were coming for your book club, you <laughs> fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> in the penultimate episode of the season it was finding nemo and yeah three three de friends i think it's fair to say that we were all gushing about that film waxing lyrical about the joys of animation and how we've all grown up with that movie and how it sort of affected us you know 20 years after release as well
1: yeah and the, the, the ever-changing nature of kind of animated fare and just films in general that can hit you in different places and uh, different stages of your life which i think if anything like re-watching that film and watching it through the analytical lens that we do for for podcasting mm-hmm. really made me appreciate it not just some kind of animation standpoint but the kind of messaging and kind of what it is saying about family and being a parent and being a child as well so yeah it's kind of it's, it's, it's an ever giving film so uh, how can you how, how can you besmirch it in any way
0: it's as if Pixar knew what they were doing the entire <laughs> time and of course the final episode of the uh, of the season was Antichrist again as you may have guessed from our chats in the episode and earlier in the episode of our wrap-up as well three Defoes is wrong because 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 it was actually three to friends. I'm sweating. I am sweating. Actually, that being said, it was a movie. Like I was, I was kind of anticipating to give it a defoe. You know, I think from what I'd heard about it and some of the scenes I'd heard about it, and I think it's one of those things. It's like um, a valuable lesson, really, just to make your own judgments on stuff. Just go in with a clear mind, make your own judgments on films because it's you know this age of like online criticism and rotten tomatoes, and you can easily write it off. But it's um, a, a movie I still think about now.
1: Was that the biggest surprise for you this season? The fact that like, you expected it to be one thing almost, and like almost willing yourself to think, I'm not going to enjoy this, too. Or was it? to live and die in LA where it's like I know nothing about this film and it's kind of blindsided me
0: I think there's I I think for me there's more of an expectation with films that you sort of know stuff about because you're expecting certain beats like right I've heard this and this is kind of what I'm waiting on but I think as I said in the episode like I'd heard something about like a genital mutilation scene but it was different for some reason, I thought, I don't know if I said this on the episode, and I think I just completely misremembered. I knew that something happened to the foe's genitals, and for some reason, I had it in my head that, that they got crushed with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was waiting for. And then when that didn't happen, and then it, it ejaculated blood, and I was like, oh,
1: oh it's somehow no, worse.
0: This is worse. <laughs> This is somehow worse. And I didn't know anything about the, the, the character of, like, her, like, cutting... Like, a I, I cut off. I, I knew nothing about that. And, like, I, I know I joked about it on the episode, but I kind of wish that I did film my like my my live, genuine reaction to it because I almost drop-kicked myself somehow through my sofa. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think just to go in and just have, like, the slow mill to it and just be completely sideswiped by, like... Everything, a lot of the things I thought the film was going to be that it wasn't, but it was something completely different, almost in some weird way kind of added to the experience for me, because my expectations are completely rug pull. So, you know, for all those reasons, and obviously the ones we've already discussed on the episode, um, it was, of course, and a friend. Um, an unexpected de friend from me as well. Sometimes the best of the friends
1: are an unexpected de friend.
0: It's the de friends we make on the way, baby. It's the de friends we make on the way. But in terms of end of season scores, that put me on a nice neutral Switzerland five the friends and five the foes for me.
1: Put me on six the friends for Defoe's, if that is the calculation, and then guest-wise, we are looking at what an even split again.
0: I think uh, I think if we if we take Catherine and Rob as a single friend and Defoe uh, review, that's the way we sort of logged it in our Excel spreadsheet. Then it's an even split of the uh, friends and Defoe's as well. So looking at it, myself and the guests were in complete unity throughout season one. But old Rebel McGee over here, <laughs> Petros Syllabus, Launching on his own journey, his own pathway. That's, that's and, uh... how.
1: That's just how I roll, and I'm, I'm 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 glad to be out on my island, and uh, I look forward to where things go. And I I don't know about you, Daryl, but. I look forward to the, the the disagreements, not 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 for some kind of clickbaity sensationalism, but more for like a having these discussions and getting into it a bit of like, oh yeah, no, no, this is th- these are the merits that I found in it, or mm-hmm. uh, or these are the things that I found deeply wrong with this film.
0: Oh, well, absolutely, and you know, I think what we'll do is that we'll we'll get through the final mailbag mailbag questions, and uh, we've got a few more questions in the mailbag to go, and then. Dear listener, your patience will be rewarded. We will be revealing exclusively in this episode, before anywhere else, before anywhere on the socials, anywhere on, like on that, what our season two lineup is going to be as well. So stick around because when I tell you that season two is shit hot, I ain't pulling no punches, baby. But let's get into uh, the rest of the mailbag questions. Will Chich asks. What character played by the foe would you like to see in a sequel or a spin off? And I think we discussed it in the Clear and Present Danger episode. Mm. He's a bleach blonde, denim wearing, sniping character who. We discussed. There's a whole series of Clancy verse books where he is his own character and his backstory and his own adventures. And you know, obviously Harrison Ford was the meal ticket at the time, but I think um Defoe's character from *Clear and Present Danger* I think would be interesting to see. Yeah. Maybe a missed opportunity now, but
1: and, and that character has been portrayed on screen again by Michael B. Jordan, I believe, was in a film like a kind of an outing of that character as well. So if we had got in the 90s, Defoe kind of doing that story or one of the many other stories. And I believe Clear and Present Danger is more from the the aspect of that character as well, if I'm not mistaken,
0: remembering wrong from that episode. Yeah, I I believe so. Thinking back to that episode, he wasn't in it that much. He was Mm -hmm. quite, you know, yes, straight-laced all-American character. But I think... Maybe if TV was quite the juggernaut that it is today back in the 90s and it was all about franchise, franchise, franchise stuff. Obviously, movie was king back then. But I think, you know, in another timeline, we could have had some uh, Defoe TV adventures as well. Then that would have made an interesting mid-season episode to cover an entire season of a TV show starring Defoe as well. But uh, we-
1: I'm going purely based off of season one here. I want to see, like, it would have to be a prequel. I want to see the further adventures of Rick Masters. Just mm. him counterfeiting money, burning paintings, having having promiscuous sex with exotic dancers. That's what I want to see. see Honestly, <laughs> out and out Rick Masters. just I'd be into that. Getting into it,
0: like I'd be into that. Yeah, I think I think we touched on it in the Finding Nemo episode. We ended up pitching that uh, Gill and the Tank Kang sequel as well. So you know, let's not forget about that. There's a sequel there, Disney. If I fucking play your actors yeah. first. Finding then, Gil, where where are you? <laughs> still in a plastic bag in the ocean. Probably upside down by now, let's be honest. Just bobbing along there. Now, here's an interesting question pitched by Josh Hallam. You have to insert Defoe into an existing boy band. Which one would it be, and why? So,
1: hmm. I am going with Westlife.
0: I want to see Willem Dafoe
1: in Westlife and he is taking the role of Nicky Byrne just because he's the one I don't think anyone really remembers so he wouldn't be missed but I just want (laughs) to see Willem Dafoe surrounded by Irishmen. And I want to see him as the song hits its kind of crescendo climax, step off of like step off of sitting on a stool to a standing position to deliver the key change. That's what I want to see. I want to see him in decked out in all white singing like flying without wings. That's what I want to see Willem Defoe doing.
0: God, that would be insane. I'd pay full price for those tickets. <laughs> You know, I I don't know much about sort of this, you know, this world of like music, but there's there's the globally popular K-pop group BTS, which I just think just seeing Willem Dafoe in that lineup and doing that sort of intense choreography because they've all, you know, Willem Dafoe has been known to have a good head of hair. I think K-pop bands just oh. by de- by default are just some of the most beautiful people you've ever seen. Yeah, and um, yeah. just to have like him in the background, just like body popping and shuffling, cracking crab walking. The, yes, please.
1: The fear you wouldn't have with Willem Dafoe being in BTS as well is you wouldn't have to leave the group to go and do military service for a certain amount of time. Even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's off for two years because he's got to do his national service. Like, he's like, he is
0: the backbone of K-pop, uh, uh, is what they're saying in, in Korea, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I've done uh, that. I've,
1: I, I, I've done what I need to do. Let's get to it.
0: <laughs> the K-pop is coming. So Russell Bailey asks, who is the next Defoe? And which animated studio would you like to see the actor work with next? Hmm, next to Foe. I
1: don't, I don't know. I think there's people, I'm trying to think, who is somebody out there who seems to just be about the work? Do you know what I mean? Like, we have a lot of people who are big personalities. Like, I think there's somebody like Austin Butler gets almost, he seems to be lost in the work. Like w- when you see him at the Oscars, still speaking like Elvis, and like <laughs> doing, doing the press tour, going, "Oh, yeah, oh yeah, mama, we're at the Oscars," <laughs> and like, he's kind of like <laughs> "Someone
0: please help me! Like, I'm lost. Please <laughs> yeah. help me!" I,
1: I'm about to, I'm about to film mm. Dune two, and I need to shake this voice, mama. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like, that, like, that. He's gone. I, We've lost him we 've lost yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i i, I don't i, I think the foe is very much like it's five o'clock and he's like right time to do some vinyasa yoga and and and, and find the ne- ne- nearest espresso bar like do you know what i mean like <laughs> i got to put on my patagonia fleece and get out of here um yeah. so i'm trying to think of actors who kind of fit that mold and but have a wildness to this it is the kind of trying to find that trifecta isn't it of like somebody mm-hmm. you could see straddling the weirdness of independent cinema and also mainstream cinema i guess someone who's been in the game a while I, I can see kind of getting there is jake gyllenhaal i can kind of see him he seems he's yeah. about the work and do you know what I mean like you look at a film like ambulance and he's almost doing that kind of gurning uh speed two style performance playing this yeah. like villainous character but can also yeah will, will happily be in like an indie film as well and kind of do do interesting things so yeah, yeah i'm gonna have to go with jake gyllenhaal on that one what about yourself
0: yeah i was thinking about this i think exactly as you said there there's got to be certain categories if we're talking about a next the foe so in it for the work and do a range has got that wildness to them as well the one person that came into my mind maybe an adam driver yeah i i I think adam drive would probably my my pick of like the next foe i think he's building up an interesting body of work uh very keen to put star wars behind him more power to you and just doing like a just just seems to be just having a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: um, I, I think someone else who fits into that role as well is Robert Pattinson. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, kind of gets yeah. in, gets in the pocket of directors. Kind of had a little stint with uh, David Cronenberg. Did like a couple of films with, and like. Is also in a in a franchise property with Batman, but then at the mm-hmm. same time we'll do like a a Claire Denis film or something like that as well. So you kind of somebody who wrong foots you. I think Robert Pattinson's kind of in in that mould as well.
0: Definitely, definitely. think Driver and Pattinson are um, picks on there. And then animated studio. I mean, I know he he has worked with sort of studio Ghibli. He's, there's been a, a dub of that, which we'll get to in due course. I think animated studio uh Aardman, maybe i could i could see him if they if they brought back wallace and gromit i could see him in a wallace and gromit character or i, I know we we're getting chicken run twos coming uh in the coming months i think the claymation would sort of suit him i think there's just something about you know i think maybe like the physicality and the, and the, the face already and the voice would just mm. he's built for a clay character
1: yeah in that kind of vein i think the kind of That and Laika, who made like Paranorman and um, Kubo and the Two Strings and the Missing Link. I think he would fit that, especially in regards to like Paranorman, like this kind of like, I don't know, I could see him playing like a kind of either like a grotesque character or something like that. Like, yeah, something stop motion. I think he Mm -hmm. kind of fits into the world. And obviously, we've got him like in a Tim Burton film in Beetlejuice 2 and it's kind of like that is like a thing of like oh yeah why is why is Willem Dafoe it, it goes like it's kind of it just makes sense right it's like yeah of course Willem Dafoe fits in, a, in the in the Burton sphere
0: yeah when it makes sense it makes sense when you know you just know now my um, next question is from Alice from the Drunken Horror Podcast Alice asks if Dafoe were a drink what would he be and why how would he make you feel after a night of drinking with him. Hmm. The D- drink? <laughs> yes, please. Put it on the tab bar, keep. What would he be? I think for me, I think, I think because you said something about this, uh, you know, the kind of thing you'd do with him earlier. For me, I think maybe we, he would be an espresso martini. Ooh. I think like an old classic, um, something that's a staple of the cocktail menu. It's a sipper. If you're in a rush, it's kind of like a downer as in gulping, not that it brings you down emotionally. And I think it, it it's gonna poke you up as well. You know, I've I've I don't drink coffee, but I've had nights where I've down Espresso Martinis like they were water, And I think that's that's the high I've been chasing ever since. I think <laughs> Defoe's that's how Defoe's gonna make me feel. Like I'm chasing taining a high after a night of drinking with him. Um I think it's I've got to call him. I've got to call him. <laughs> um, no chill, no, no, no sort of like a, a barrier there. It's like nah, immediate, immediate morning WhatsApp, I think.
1: <laughs> no restraint. I don't no care restraint. about the three day rule. No, no, no. For me, I think it's got to be like a kind of exotic spirit, like an absinthe for me, where it's like, ah. you know, you've had absinthe. And I think like when you watch a Defoe film, you know, you've seen Defoe like you've you've been defoed baby like (laughs) like, you've been like you've been been (laughs) tangoed you've been defoed like that is that is very much like the yeah so absinthe and tango is the kind of cocktail i think i would make uh for, for defoe and i think yeah like i said it's something that uh, Lasts with uh, you. It's been years since I've ever had absinthe. I don't think i have ever had the proper stuff, but I've had some kind of mm-hmm. derivative. So I can't really remember the day after, but I think it would like you would wake up still feeling it. Do you know what I mean like that's? Oh yeah. Because a lot of a lot of Defoe films, you do. You wake up the next day after watching them, and like there are moments of it that are kind of just oh you're like oh that lives in my that lives in my head rent free now. So I think Defoe and absinthe kind of both have that have that space within your brain so i think yeah he's got to be he's got to be a potent kind of exotic alcohol in the kind of absinthe world
0: he's a witch's brew (laughs) of a man that is for sure uh now rebecca mccallum asks if you had the foe around for dinner and board games what would you cook him what games would you play Mm, i think See, I think I'd have to stay away from Italian food. I'm not saying that this is what he eats all the time, because I know he does have, you know, a house out in Italy as well. Um, but I think if you're going to present Italian food to that man, it's got to be the best fucking Italian food you've ever had in your life. And I'm not that confident of a chef in the best of times. I think I'd have to pull like an absolute like Skinner from The Simpsons and like, run across to like a crusty burger, present those steamed hams as my own cooking. <laughs> I, th- I think I'd have to just, just like it's like. This, it's just clearly McDonald's. It's beautiful, but it's clearly McDonald's. I was like, yeah, I'd have to pull a steamed hams because I'd absolutely crumble. Um, I crumble at the best of times when trying to follow very simple recipes. You have no idea how easy it is for me to get a stir fry wrong. Oh boy, you have no <laughs> idea. Board games? Oh, I, th- I think it's something you've got to got into. It's not one of those board games it's going to take. Actually, I retract that. I think Dungeons and Dragons with Willem Dafoe would be fucking sick. <laughs> McDonald's and D and D and Defoe, Defoe and D, Dungeons and Dragons and Defoe, Dungeons and Def Defun, D, D, D and D with Willem Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. fucking sick.
1: Yeah, I think he'd get really into his character, wouldn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, man.
0: love to of Willem Defoe a, just I'm DMing a dungeon, the game, I'm a dungeon-dwelling
1: oh. troll. <laughs>
0: God, the possibilities! Yeah,
1: that would be amazing. Um, I think for me, dinner wise, I think I'd cook him like a nice, nice vegan meal. I'd like uh, marinated tofu bao buns or something like that. Something that's kind nice. of a bit out there. A nice little bit of pickled, pi- yeah, pickled cucumber and carrot with like, like peanut dusting and some hoisin sauce I think it I think he'd enjoy that some kind of steamed buns would be very nice with Willem Dafoe I think it, 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 he would like that we'd we'd sit and eat those And I, I would love to play it's, it's it's a it's a real classic game but I'd love to play Cluedo with Willem Dafoe because you just suspect it's him throughout the whole thing I reckon he would have a great a great poker face for 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 Cluedo and poker but I think I think Cl- Cl- Cluedo. I know the rules of poker. I'm I'm always I'm always a bit lost whenever I play. So yeah, mm. I think to phone and yeah. some Cluedo would be great. Just to hear him say, "Oh, was Professor Plum in the study." <laughs> like
0: <laughs> he put the candlestick up his ass. <laughs> uh, De Cluedo would be here. It would be delightful. So we move on to our final questions. We've got a twofer from Daryl Bear. The first. He asks, do you feel there are any underrepresented genres in his vast catalogue of work? Is there anything that we're missing from the Defoe catalogue? That is the question.
1: From what we've seen, I don't know. Like, I guess out-and-out horror is somewhere where we haven't seen Defoe yet I'm, I'm, and i'm trying to think of kind of his imdb page i don't think he's in anything that is out and out horror there are stuff that kind of plays within those worlds like shadow of the vampire for instance but a lot of his stuff is not really in a in a horror film so i think defoe defoe in something yeah grim grotesque and gruesome Something something horrific. That's what I want to see.
0: Yeah, some fucking Defoe gore. I mean, just scanning through his filmography, I mean, again, there could, there could be some that I'm, I'm missing that I'm being completely blind on, but it doesn't seem to be like a lot of sci-fi in there. I don't think we've had a lot of Defoe in space. Um,
1: well, he's in uh, John Carter of Mars, which, is, which I think he plays an alien, so uh, you can't get any more sci-fi than... Edgar, Edgar Allan Burrows, or is it Ed, Edgar Rice? Edgar Rice Burrows.
0: Ah, as Tars Tarkas, so... I mean, he, he better be like a, that fucking green alien with an antennae, so I don't seem like an absolute rube. But maybe some other... I know he's done one or two... He's done some scant westerns, I think. So he's not completely out of the game there. Obviously, he's done his, his, his biographies and his dramas and his romances, but... Yeah, may be some more out, I think there's always room for some more out and out horror. You know, I think it's something that's, I think, could lend itself to horror quite well as well. I mean, be it psychological, be it a slasher, just give me the foe in that bloody realm. That's what, uh, that's what I want to see. The final question, again by Daryl Bear. When are you covering the James Bond video game, Everything or Nothing? I remember it being ace, and I'd love to hear you guys talk about it.
1: Uh, we will cover this at some point. This is a, an interesting one because Defoe is somebody who's lent his voice to multiple video games. Uh,
0: this Beyond Two Souls, yeah, and likeness as well.
1: Yeah, so there is there's three video games within that, and we will get to it when we get to another in between when we're at this stage of of a season is the kind of boring answer we can kind of give right because i don't think we've kind of mapped that out for, for for a tease we've already mapped out season two's to odds and to ends episode but as for season three maybe it will fit in there maybe we'll find something else we, we can't commit to anything as of yet but i wanted to ask you daryl like what do you think of like Defoe as a yeah as a voice actor in in video games? Like, can you think of any other actors who have kind of done this as much as
0: Defoe? Well, I think for the Ryan project, he'll give himself to it. I mean, I love the old uh, the Spider Man video games back in the day. A few years ago, there was a game called Twelve Minutes that mm-hmm. he was uh, in, which was very good as well i don't think i played everything or nothing though so that's uh that's on me as Petra said we'll we'll no immediate plans but we will get to it that is a uh the guarantee you've heard it here first i mean i know um uh jk simmons does like a lot of voiceover though he's because i know he's he's he, was he Man in like invincible on amazon prime and mm. obviously he if i'm not well, well he was in the Spider Man game on the PlayStation a few years ago as uh, J. Jonah Jameson, as well.
1: Well, and to, and to mention the, the subject matter of uh, Daryl's most recent season of Is Paul Dano OK? Um, Clancy Brown kind of crops sure. up a load of stuff. Yeah. I think he's like one of the key voices in Mass Effect is one of the series in and maybe fallout as well he kind of crops up in like he's got a he's got a kind of filmography that is kind of like scrolling for days because he lends himself to so many animated projects the voice of mr Krabs from spongebob for christ's sake so (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but i think yeah and it's interesting like i kind of I've, i've recently been playing disco elysium um i'm not sure if you've have ever dabbled Daryl. I have, I've dabbled. And I kind of ended up in a rabbit hole of looking at like fan castings online and somebody created a great graphic as Willem Dafoe, it's that picture of him with the cigarette in his mouth.
0: I, I saw that yeah that was great, it's and a great artwork.
1: Him playing the lead uh, character in that who is for, not to spoil the game, as an unnamed character at the start, should we say. Um, even though he doesn't resemble that character, I think Defoe kind of has the spirit to play that character. Like, yeah. And I know that there's long been talked about a TV series of, 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 of Disco Elysium, so maybe we can get some Defoe TV work and him, him playing yeah, the lead in Disco Elysium.
0: I'd be all about that. Disco Elysium, a fantastic game. Uh BT dubs. Uh more the foe for TV, I think, is what we're driving at here as well. More the foe in general, which uh, you know, is a a little bit of a bit a shoehorn segue. Because there will be more defoe. There will be more getting defoe you in season two. And as we've sort of touched on the episode, as we've teased, uh we've got a running order. We've got Season 2 lined up. We've got the guests lined up. Guests will be announced in due course. We won't announce them just yet. We'll keep those cards close to our chest. But, Petros, we've got some movies to get through in Season 2. And if I may be so bold, I think Season 2 is going to be a bit of a banger. What have we got coming up?
1: So, we have an absolute kind of stonker of a season, which starts off with Spider Man, Sam Raimi's very own, the most seen film in the world. If our <laughs> guests are anything to go by, we're doing it. We're doing, we're doing it. it. If you'd listened to our Antichrist episode, you would have heard a familiar laugh at the end of that episode. That was very much a tease as to that being the season two opener. Then we are delving into the world of Daryl's nemesis, Wes Anderson, (laughs) with the Grand Budapest Hotel, before going to a fairly early Willem Dafoe film in Catherine Bigelow's The Loveless. And uh, then we will be donning our frocks, as Willem Dafoe does, in the boondock saints mm-hmm. and then as mentioned on this episode and i think we already know daryl's thoughts on it we will be talking about the 2017 live action adaptation of death note before going to our wild card pick of the season which is the last temptation of christ how bigger oh could we get than talking about <laughs> willem dafoe as jesus H Christ, and then we move to the 1993 film White Sands, which William Defoe acts alongside Mickey Rourke, before getting lost in the world of Paul Schrader for the first time when we talk about the Card Counter. Mm-hmm. And then the penultimate episode of the season will be Mississippi Burning before we close out in the only way that we could with a sequel season with one of the most talked about sequels, I'd imagine, on the internet and a very much heavily requested film to be covered (laughs) on this podcast, Speed 2.
0: Oh, we're doing it. Oh, we are doing it. To say we're very excited about season two is uh, something of an understatement you know we're kicking things off with Spider-Man uh, the film as we joke about literally everyone on the planet has seen many people's introduction to the foe and we're closing it out as Petros rightfully said when I think before we even you know, got into recording we took sort of announced that this, this podcast was just a glint in the proverbial milkman's eye everyone was asking for speed too well now you're gonna bloody get it so a lot mm-hmm. to look forward to
1: And not only do we have a kind of bumper season of great films, we have a a bumper season of, like, fantastic guests. As Daryl said, we will be announcing those nearer the time on the socials, so make sure you're following us over there, which is Pod on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. And, yeah, this season we'll be, again, keeping the date of the release a little bit close to our chest just in case anything happens to change right like uh, <laughs> we've got dates locked in but things are fluid baby
0: Guests can explode we hope it doesn't happen but we don't want to back ourselves into a corner in case the in case the worst happens you know we got to give ourselves a bit of breathing room just in case but um as soon as we've got something confirmed you'll be the first to hear about it if you're following us and all the socials aforementioned by Mr. Petrosport service as well. But with that said, um, the mailbag is closed. The first season is officially wrapped. And it's time to, um, you know, put this one in the rearview mirror and look ahead to the future. And of course, of course, of course, the season will not be what it is without our good friend Matt. Editing it, you know, want to talk about things, wrapping up. He's wrapping up these episodes in a neat little bow to present to you, our dear to friends, hanging again, without him. We would just be candles in the wind, getting extinguished and filtering out, just wax stripping on no one, just an empty empty wooden floor. Um, so thank you again, Matt, for your, your diligence, your commitment and your question for the wrap-up episode as well. And of course, we want to thank all of our guests that we've had for season one. We mentioned them at the top, but we'll give you our guests again. We had uh, Patrick O'Reilly from the Vintage Video Podcast for Heaven's Gate. We had Alice Boyd Leslie joining us for Tomorrow You're Gone. Daryl Bear to live and die in LA. Russell Bailey for Clearer and Present Danger. Katrin and Rich from Don't You Want Me Pod for A uh, Body of Evidence. It was Josh Allen from Films and That Podcast ...for The Reckoning... ...a from... ...What a Screen pod... ...for New Rose Hotel... Um, ...and we had... ...The Last Thing You Wanted... ...we were joined... ...by Sean Alexander... ...from Civico... ...wrote Avatar Podcast... ...Mr David Trumbull... ...joined us... ...for Finding Nemo... ...and Rebecca McCallum... ...of Talking Hitchcock Podcast... ...joined us for Antichrist... ...thank you all for taking the time... ...to join us in our inaugural season... A delightful
1: without you guys we are literally just two madmen sweating and talking about the foe's dick you kind of make <laughs> us you kind you you made us kind of rein that in as, as much as we possibly could we snuck it in there as much as we could but a massive thank you to you and a massive thank you to anyone who has listened to this season again mm-hmm. without without the guests without you guys we are the aforementioned two maniacs so it is it's so glad and thank you to anyone who's got in touch given a question in this episode it means a lot to myself and and daryl so yeah join the defoca motion train get on board i hope you're as excited for season two as we are we cannot wait to share it with you and it will be with you sooner rather
0: than later. Absolutely. So polish up your goblin gliders. We'll be kicking it off with Spider-Man. Keep an eye out on the socials for all the upcoming dates and such. But until then, thank you for listening. We will see you in Season 2 as we continue to cover all the de-highs, all the de-lows, and all things Willem Dafoe. Right here, I'm getting Defoe you a dedicated Defoe podcast. So, until season two, we'll see you then. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Getting to know <laughs> you, getting to know all about Willem. getting to like you by watching all your films. Getting to know you will start with Heaven's Gate. I will watch them all till the present day.